Welcome to the Mathetai Podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm very excited today to share an episode with you. Uh, we recorded uh, just a bit ago uh, with our friend in life and our friend in ministry, Kosti Keenan. Uh, Kosti grew up in Bucharest, Romania, under the communist government. He's got a very unique story, and God has turned his story around and employed him in a way that is very unique, for which Kosti is uniquely qualified. So I'm excited for you to hear his story, hear what God is doing with him, and uh, just hopefully be challenged yourself in how you can be a part of things and what God would want to do with your story, how he can use you and employ you in his kingdom business. Now, as we get into this episode, uh, I want to give you fair warning that it was recorded over the internet, and so the audio may not be 100% spot on. There were some times where the internet cut out on his end. The Romanian internet was not as reliable. It was overloaded a few times. We got cut off a few times, but we've melded it together as best as possible. Uh, forgive any of them of the audio issues that we have had, and uh, I think his story is worth telling even though it's not the perfect audio that we'd hope for. So in the future, when we have the chance, we'll re-record it sitting down face-to-face -face and get to talk there. But this is the first in our series we're calling From the Deck, a series of interviews with people in missions, in ministry, and simply in Christian life to hear what they're doing, what God has done, and uh, hopefully to inspire and motivate each of us in our walks, in our lives, and in our ministries to push forward and do uh, the work of the Lord in the various places that we find ourselves. So I hope that you're blessed today with this interview with Kosti Keenan from Bucharest, Romania. All right, well, we're here with Kosti Keenan. He's coming to us live from Bucharest, uh, Romania. So Kosti, welcome and thank you for being here on the Math Thai podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's, uh, it's an honor to get to share um, a little bit with you guys today. Yeah, now, now you and I met in a unique way. Um, you, you came from Romania to America and finally to Mississippi. <laughs> we uh, moved as a family to Mississippi shortly after Hurricane Katrina. And uh, we got to spend, what, about six months there in Mississippi together? <clears throat> Nine months, but yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it felt shorter than it really was. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, from there, we've, we've each gone our separate directions. You went to Florida and then back here to California. And then now you're back over in, in Romania. And, uh, you know, I know God's called you to a very specific and unique ministry that you are uniquely equipped for. And so that's kind of where we want to spend our time today talking about your story and the ministry God's called you to. So, uh, so so let, let's start with that. Tell us a little bit about your, your background in Romania, first of all. Start at the beginning and uh, give us a little bit of a, a foundation for where you've come from. Yeah, it's always, um, it's always uh, a little harder to think back, back when, um, when I was a kid, uh, because I don't really remember much of my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I only have like bits of, of either traumatic or um, emotional or like things that were happening in, in my life. And so the one thing that I remember as far as my childhood, my childhood, but just a little bit of the background, I grew up, I grew up in uh, the government state-run orphanages, even from birth. Uh, from the point of coming into this into this earth and being in a hospital, and then from there transition to the different orphanages. So you went uh, exactly from <clears throat> the hospital being born directly into the orphanage system. You never went home with your birth parents or or anything like that. Yeah, so we never we've never had um, along along with me were other kids. We never had that you know that. Uh, the time where your mom would hold you and, you know, spend a few days in the hospital and take you away. You know, we, we end up staying there. And this is, this is things that I've been told. Um, so I don't even remember as far as, you know, being one-year-old, two-year-old, you know. So, sure. but what they told us is, we, yeah, so um, actually being three years old, 
and um, being in an orph being at the orphanage, um, and people came visiting that one time, and I think it was uh, people were telling me this, but I remember the face of the people, and I remember them saying they're my, and um, and then there were uh, two older people, so I, I would think they're my grand my were my grandparents and. <coughs> And I remember people telling me that she's my sister. Mm. When I say people, probably the people that were watching over us uh, at that time, you know, just uh, just uh, who these people are. And I remember they brought a bunch of orphanage, and um, and they brought food for everybody there. So it was kind of a special day for me because they gave me that they gave me so much attention. You know, and I it just it made me smile and it made me be be happy. And so, um, and this was this was definitely a commonest or facility because everywhere you go in that in that facility, there is a picture. There was a picture of Ceausescu, you know, the the president at the time, you know, mm -hmm. and he's and he's delegate, and you know, you know, he's he's fat. And I remember. Uh, um, I remember around around that time, and it was the time where he was assassinated. Um, and I remember when when people heard that he died, that all those pictures just kind of went uh, with it, and people were like stomping their feet and you know on them. It's like it was almost the end of the communist time, you know. Mm. Um, and I saw so I. I was a, a very young kid, <laughs> you know, growing up into this, you know, at the end of the communist time, you know, yeah. um, and so, uh, so, so this, could, if that was your family, this would have been the only time that you actually met your potential birth parents and, and any extended family. That would have been the only time you've ever actually seen or met them in any way. Yeah, so that was the first time and the only time. Um, and then, as as years went back, went by, I waiting for for uh, for them to come back somehow. And one thing, one thing that they don't do at these orphanages, they don't orphanages connect you, the child, with the families that they they know you have. And so they don't set up meetings with them. They don't try to come or they don't try to make phone calls, to have you make phone calls and things like that. They're shooting once or ever. And so, um, there's and no, there's no all we know is. There's no attempt really to place you back with your birth family. You're, you're in the institution and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, even today, people are uh, kids in the orphanage are still, you know, that someone can claim them and that someone can come for them. And the more I was in it, the more I longed for that for that family, for that someone to come claim me, for them someone to come take me, you know. And so, uh, but I was in this one orphanage in Bufta which is outside of Bucharest. Uh, and then with that, because I was, I was out of age, they transitioned out of the orphanage, but it was in Bucharest where we are now. Um, I ended up, I ended up uh, at the age of eight, I think, nine, I think, to this boys' orphanage. 200 boys, I want to say, um, here, and it was a huge, it was a huge facility. Yeah, that's the facility that, that you and I went to when we, uh, when I was there a while back, and it's a, uh, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, it's, it's a large concrete building, what, three stories tall? Um, uh, four. Four stories tall, had a large uh, concrete courtyard. Uh, with a basketball hoop in it, um, but it was it was you know small windows, not a whole lot of life and 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 hope that the building gave us. 
It's a very yeah, it's a, sterile building. <laughs> and right now it's uh, it's been abandoned. So, but I own it, and it's it's been abandoned the same way kids have been abandoned. Like mm. nobody cares for it. Yeah. Just that that thought of even a building, <laughs> you know, people. Now, let alone for a child, for you know, for a breathing person. Yeah. But I was there for quite a few years, um, and and I don't I don't want to say it was for me there because there were some really good times. And that was life for us, you know. And I I came to accept the fact that, that that's my life, you know. And, um, and so, but I was, I was also an emotional because, you know, yes, you live there and no relationship other than the boys and the dominas and the dominos there, but then no nothing. But then there, there are quite a, quite a number of kids that were, were leaving there in the weekends they were going home. Oh, okay. And so, which which didn't make sense to me, you know, why why is that group of people get to go home and not, we're in the same boat, I would think, you know, <laughs> and, the, and the same age, you know, so I had a really hard time. That was, that was the hardest thing, seeing my friends, seeing the people that I love, that I, I'm growing up with leaving Ken. Mm. You know, and then there's only a few of us that are staying back, you know. All, and all of these kids knew family that would come and take them for the weekend or something. They were The families were just unable to support them or didn't want to regularly support them, perhaps. But uh, they had families, but just were not a part of them on a regular basis. Yeah. So all these all these kids had had those families would come and pick them up in the weekends. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, you know, even today, kids end up in the orphanage is because they, they can't provide for them. Right. So the government, the government came up with a program for them because some of them, and so the government had to do something about it. So they set up these state-run orphanages, kids. Um, and I don't know how the system, this going home in the weekend started and just that back and forth, I have no idea. They want, wanted to have a place for these kids to live in, so I'm thinking uh, they or these families chance for kid, for the government to take care and give them the, still the opportunity to come take them in the weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, that if these families want to take them home eventually, then they have the right to do so. Okay. Um, and so, a, but a social support system for families that couldn't take care of their kids. That, right. Uh, so this this system. government didn't yeah, so, them with funds in their sorry. they took them out of their homes and put them in these orphanages. Okay. System was built was building was being built up as it as it went. Mm -hmm. The child trying to. Eventually, that was the idea: is to take these kids and put them back into the, back into their their homes. Um, and so, the adoption back then it wasn't as popular um, back then. But I I was one of those kids that end up staying back. Uh, I was had, had nobody. Um, no family and um you know just to come visit because so, sometimes a relative would come like a, a uncle or a grandma or a grandpa would come and visit the child mm -hmm. not necessarily the parents themselves you know so it was it was like the relatives and come come in and visit or even take me and so that was like for me uh, is staying outside outside in the courtyard and watching from the corner or watching from the kids leaving going and it, it was tough and but with that I 
he started getting busier on the orphanage to kind of forget, help me forget some of the things that I was going through. I made a life there, you know. I had things that I needed. I had a bed. I had a pedal and things. And But I knew <laughs> the most important I really wanted is someone to, like, claim me, someone to, like, recognize me of who I am, someone to even ask me my name or, you know, how are you feeling, you know, how are you, you know. It's just drawn to people recognizing me for who I am. And, so and the so, love and the acceptance that a family would normally provide – here you've got a family of 200 plus boys, if you will, <laughs> and then a few uh, adults that are overseeing this whole thing, but it's not the, the family relationships in the same way. All of these guys are off doing their own thing, and they're your, your brothers in the sense, but you don't have that, you know, you, you, you wanted that deeper family connection to, for the identity side of it. Yeah. 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 Um. But it was, it was, uh, it was, it was hard in the weekends. But it was better in the week. In the week, uh, um, but it wasn't always like this. Being in the orphanage, we have visitors, and we we did have people come in and you know recognize of you know making special things for us, doing Christmas and doing you know, taking us places, doing this. So we weren't all alone, you know. We had people visiting us. But we just never had, until, you know, until I go into the story of my parents, we never had people time with us, quali quality time with us, you know. Um, even, to, you know, in the ministry that we do, we see people come in, Romanians, orphanages and drops, drops off a bunch of stuff and then they just leave, yeah. you know? So people are being, kids are being raised with the idea of people doing something nice for them because I guess they deserve it or they're obligated uh, to, help, to help them because of the situation they're in and expect people to leave, you know? They don't have this idea, hey, they're just gonna drop stuff off and then they're taking off. You know, so we had to make things actually a little harder on someone that's actually wanting a relationship, sure, yeah. you know. Yeah, for and these to form relationships, it's probably really tough. They, they're, they're used to, like you said, people just coming, spending a day, providing a physical need, and then, and then leaving, and you never have any depth of relationship. So yeah. now to, yeah, to, yeah. to build a meaningful, lasting relationship with one of these children... It's a it's a barrier that you have to cross first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's what I even now thinking looking back, mm -hmm. you know, it's what I long for is needed. It's that it's that you know, first of all, accept this, and just that them wanting to build that relationship with me, you know. Yeah, and uh, but. You know, um, there comes story of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Always both at the end, huh? <laughs> you know, and being being still in the orphanage, you get this you get this group of people coming, and I used to call them strangers, foreigners. Mm. Today, we we call them, back then I called them strangers because they were strangers with us, and we. They also spoke a, a, um, a different language. Yeah. So, you know, so to anyone understand them, they can understand me, and I don't know who they are, you know. Sure, sure. The, the huge group of them came this one summer, you know, uh, in, this, in this orphanage, in this building that we, we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. and... Um, before they were going to take a group of kids to camp. Now, this is camps, uh, one of the first many camps that I went on. I've never gone to a camp like that before. The government does provide camps for these kids, or us, but nothing, that, nothing like the camp they put 
together one. And so, but just that, just that quick, just a really quick that day of their arrival there, it was just a hook for me. Yeah. Um, because you get, you get, I mean, picked in the courtyard among all these people into see who they are and asking them questions and like what did they bring us you know <laughs> oh they're you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff you know but they came with nothing you yeah. know they just all right so you had folks yes, I, you were looking for what they could give you yeah so we we had a bunch of we were all in the art we, when when this group of people came and um and so, like I mentioned earlier, we used to, we, we call them all strangers. Straini, 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 here. Suntaich, suntaich. They're here, they're here. And so we were all very excited. And so, um, and we had the courage to go out with them. We had, we had kids that just like, you know, little by little used to. And then, yes, someone like me that just like in the back, in the back. Um, you know, trying to trying to figure out who they are and you know, get to talk to them or not. Um, and so, but I remember this group of people coming in, and I remember my parents being part of that group. Mm. Um, and it it was it was uh, my dad, uh, my mom, Bob, and Teresa, and they and then the three kids at, at the time. And I remember Josiah, uh, my dad was carrying Josiah in that little backpack thing, and it was just <laughs> like a chair thing. Um, and they were there, and they just, they were just a nice, we just, uh, they were, they were like smiling, you know, <laughs> to, see, to see people smiling at us, you happen too often mm. you know because w when you think of the the people that were watching us people were living doing that communist time and doing that you know it's like upset about something they're always mean about something or they're always like yelling at us you know mm. like they're blaming us for their life attitude right. You know, and then seeing this group of people smile at us, you know, it was just, it was a strange, it wasn't common, you know. <laughs> now, and, now, um, your, your, uh, your adopted family, not your birth family. So this is a, uh, a new group of people that um, is coming in. The folks that you're calling your parents now and your brothers and sisters are, are uh, your adoptive family, yes. not your birth family. Yeah, just clarify that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is which That's is why more I had you to clarify my. <laughs> I'll, I'll translate your Romanian as well in a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, that's, also, but, that's a rare circumstance here because not a lot of the kids were being adopted out of the orphanages, so it was a a, a unique uh, opportunity for you and a unique thing to happen in your life to be adopted out. It's not something that was normal. Yeah, and that that came that came like probably a year and if I initiated uh, um I met them first, um, and so but they were there, and that day was it was just a special day, and then uh, uh, the second day the same group of the same group of people came but they came with this huge bus we've never seen that big of a bus before and it was just like a two oh, two-story bus you know what? just things things were happening that were just like this is not happening you know it's just to us it's like it, it blew our mind the different things we're seeing because we've been able to meet this you know? And the bus came and took took us to camp. Um, and then that week at camp, again, there's no words to express that I had, and I'm sure other kids had at camp. 
um, because it wasn't a normal, you know, it wasn't, you know, the normal camp that we would go to, they would take us days doing nothing, you know, mm -hmm. and because government would rent this place, like cabin place or whatever, and all we do is just play soccer rooms, you know, maybe go throw yourself in the water and then program going and so to be able to be at this camp and have one thing after another for us was like we were tired <laughs> you know and you but it was just it was great it was great because you had all of these people I really into you what's that? i say you have all these people pouring into you relationally for the first time spending time and talking to you and asking questions and being involved in your life rather than just letting you guys run and do activities it was, uh, what's that, a, a total turnaround of what we expected at a camp, yeah. you know, so for these people to actually get to know us, get to know who we, we are, it just, to me, to other kids, they're like, they gave them all the attention they wanted, and they go, they, they you know, they, to me, it was just like, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> This is a life change, you know. Yeah. And speaking about this, this family that now up the family, I just could not let go of them. Yeah. You know, I just could not. You know, I remember, you know, Teresa's hand, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't let go. And I was older than their kids. <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, hanging out with Josiah and going to the pool and water around and um and i remember him you know you know how some people come in and um if they don't if they the lord in their hearts and really that sensitivity about circumstance you know um they might have some ideas and they have some kind of rejection between and that person, you know, mm -hmm. but all I'm saying is like this people about all of that. They just didn't care. They wanted to just love on us. And even the kids that went to, they wanted to spend time with us, you know, <laughs> and that just me, it was just like, uh, uh, it just, it's overwhelming to even think of the, the time they just, it was a life, life turnaround for me. I looked at that life, our life because of that week. You know, I looked, I looked at life differently because of what happened that week, mm. you know, and I think, I believe is where I found hope, but I have no idea what that is, what those feelings were, what is, what is, you know, I had no idea what God started to do into my life. I know now, but, <laughs> sure. um, I, but I know that that was comfort. And that was, that was the grace that God poured into them to give to, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to just stay there forever, but mm -hmm. they had to, uh, bring us back to the orphanage and um, and just everything just kind of stopped six months because people stopped coming. Well, I guess the Christmas came around, you know, the six months went by, you know, it came, it was that, it was that hard time again, you know? And so the six, six months later, uh, another another good news, uh, life life changing for me or something special for me. Uh, Thirteen. Tell really me for sure whether it was on my birthday or a couple of days after, a couple of days that Bob and Teresa, my adoptive parents, now came for a visit. So they came and visit us at the orphanage uh, once again. And um, I, was, I, I mentioned earlier that I can't remember whether it was a few days 
before my birthday or was it or a couple of days after my birthday because it was around my birthday uh birthday week um and that was just that to me it was just the birthday gift that was my birthday gift actually we barely knew what a birthday gift is because we didn't we are not it's not normal for someone to recognize our birthday or to get a cake or something and so for someone to sing us uh, it wasn't normal it wasn't uncommon in the orphanage for us to get a birthday song or anything like that and so but to me it was it was a it was a gift because i i came to love these people and i came to you know i it just brought back the you know that week that we had together at camp you know and i was just i was so excited to see them and um and it was it was the thing they told us which was interesting to me is at that time was like they had moved to they had moved from america they told us to bucharest and we were going to see them more often uh-huh. and that that was just like that was you know it was it was the only reason i say interesting because i didn't understand that i that that concept of people moving or leaving a place to come you know and so i later later found out the kind of story behind what had, what had happened for them to move to Romania, you know, all those miles and all those things they've done to move to Romania, what it takes to move a family to Romania. Right. That, and, what, brought, um, what, what brought them to, to make that move? <clears throat> well, for one, it, it was God and um, God just, press on that on their heart to that is what God is calling them and two is I think it was us I mm-hmm. think it was my dad wanted to invest in us although when you when you ask them they're gonna tell you we have no we have no idea what we're gonna do <laughs> we <laughs> have we have no plans we you know we we have no idea you know mm-hmm. but if you ask me you know, they came for me. They came for us. They came to invest in us. However, wherever, however that's, that was going to look like, I always look at it. They came for me specifically. They came to, to, to be present in my life because they understood, you know, they understood that rejection that, rejection that we kept having, you know, from people. And for, you know, for people loving them. And I saw that, and I saw that in them. They came to be present in our lives, you know. And so, you know, God brought them, and, um, and it's, it was them answering that call. Yeah. It was them making that decision as a family to come move. Um, and then so they moved, and six months later, and they were living in this little apartment, and to just kind of skim through the story, I eventually started going over to their house on weekends. Um, so again, if you look back, if you, you know, if you remember me saying that there were weekends, uh, there were weekends where I did not go. Actually, there were every weekend that I didn't get to go home or didn't get to go to a place. Now, here's me going Pl- right. a pl- to now a you're place. leaving on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm leaving. You yeah. know, and so, um, and that was just like, you know, even one. I remember one weekend is me uh, still being still being in the orphanage and not going anywhere. And I remember me going up to the director's uh, office and asking him if I can call them. Mm. Um to come see us or to come I, I can't remember what was the what was the reason but I I wanted to see them you know because it was weekend it was like they have to be here <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know and so I called them and I remember I remember them saying well we weren't planning on coming you know uh, I think they had something going on that weekend but they came mm. they came you know uh, I called them and they were there a few hours later, you wow. know, and it was just like, you know, 
to be prioritized. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for putting it out there. Yeah, it's it was just yeah, it was um so that you were valuable in their eyes and worth giving up whatever they were doing to come and be with you that when you needed somebody, you had someone there for you now finally. Yeah. 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 That's huge. So wow. Um but the more the more I spent time with them, the more um I became part of their family, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, one thing that I, one thing that I that I really respected uh, my dad is uh, my adopted dad is he would come and he would give the same quality of time to the other kids. Mm. You know, he he never made he made, he never put out any difference in any of the kids. You know, now if you ask the kids back then, you know, the other way around. They thought that they they became jealous of me because <laughs> I got to go I got to go to the house more than they ever got to the house you know so it was like totally the other way the, the right. opposite but when you ask my dad or when you hear his the story you know is you know he would spend time with us he would Bible he would do the Bible Bible study with us he would I learn I I be I fall in love. The, the game of basketball because he came over with the basketball ball mm -hmm. uh, and he started playing basketball with us and I fell in love with the sport, you know? Um, and so, but he would, he would make that time for all of us boys. And then it wasn't just me going to their house. There were other boys, you know, my mom, but this little apartment was full of kids, you know? <laughs> And this huge meal that my mom was making at the time, and it was just everybody knew, everybody knew of, of Mama Teresa and Bob, Bob, you know, yeah. little, little, little seed. It's it's called in uh, in Romanian, you know, it's Bob, Bob, you know, Bob. and uh, Mr. Bob. Actually, some some people. Um, anyways, just that whole that whole um, relationship idea, they did it. They were at it the best. They made themselves available to us, you know, and they still, they still say today that they had no idea what they were doing, you know? And <laughs> sure. so, That's what most countries done, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was just, but they, uh, they change. They've changed lives. They've impacted my life with mm -hmm. with their walk with the Lord and their relationship with the Lord and what they've grabbed from the Lord and what they gave out for what what they received from the Lord. They were just enormous. Yeah. And of course, there was there was hard times in in the ministry. You know, uh, and I've seen that as a, as a as a kid as a teenager growing up. I've seen that as a as a teenager with with uh, having having no Jesus yet, I've seen the struggle, the struggle they go through. But I've seen their faith and their trust, and they're just they're they're you know when you talk about money, when you talk about just the whole idea of being a missionary, you know. But they they were at it the best, you know. Yeah, I remember. I remember the, the time spending with you guys in Mississippi. I know I'm like jumping, but right. because we are at this idea, you know, you know, uh, it's just it, it just reminds you just that trust that you are to have. And I saw that in you, Mike, and you and Jenna, you in Mississippi, that trust you had, you know. And I see that I saw that in my parents that, that trust they had as missionaries. Yeah caring for all these kids that they weren't theirs you know right and they have they have three, thing to take they care have of your family but to, to to take on all of this others that's a whole nother yeah thing. yeah and, and and seeing it now that you know they're, they're still doing this they're still, yes you know knowing your your parents a little bit and and i'm hopefully going to be talking to them at some point as well you know they they've lived their entire adult lives overseas uh, serving communities uh, in in several countries now, and they're 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 now in a new location over this last year. So, uh, just to see them continuing to give all that they are and all that they have in this way is is you know a testimony of their faith and and you know 
safe to say uh, that, that you would not be where you are or who you are had they not have visited. Yes. Um, they, I agree. They literally, in that sense, they literally saved your life <laughs> and, and, and brought you to who you are and where you are today that, that would have been impossible without them just taking the time. So look at it this way. I had my first discipline ever, ever, okay? At 14 years old, mm. and it came from them. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and um, discipline here in America, you know, it's a, it's a bad thing, and I don't want to be disciplined. And how, how here you, you as a 14-year-old never had anyone care enough about you to show you the right way, to, to give you a parameter, a boundary, and, you know, that act of love that says, hey, this isn't good, do this. And here for the first time at 14, you had these people pouring into you enough and caring enough to direct you and guide you. Yeah. Something that we take and for some of, Yeah. And some of the responses, because I do some of the discipline today with the kids in the orphanage, but some of the responses are just like, they don't care. Yeah. You know, but the response I had, I just... I locked myself in the bathroom being so ashamed, being like, you know, like crying my eyes out. You know, what have I done? Mm. I have ruined, I have ruined the, tr the trust, mm. you know, that, that, that bond, you know, I thought they're just going to kick me out. You know, yeah. I, here I am, you know, thinking, thinking beyond of what could happen, you know? Yeah. And, but it, it, it's true that that first discipline to me, was just like, Oh my goodness, next time I need to think twice <laughs> what I do, you know, yeah. because I really don't want to, I really don't want to hurt them, mm -hmm. you know, and I was always afraid of doing that because, you know, and I've learned to deal with that rejection, you know, yeah. and um, I've, and that was my weakness, the, the, the weakness I had is like, I was, I'm always afraid to, um, hurts to disappoint someone because they're going to reject me. Mm -hmm. they're, they're no longer going to love me. Sure. You know, sure. things sure. like that. And it, so many kids are going through that today, yeah. you know, but praise God that I've gone through them and then I can help these kids walk through it. You yeah, know, you're, it's you're, not you're about being qualified to minister to these kids in a way that yeah. almost, almost nobody else could do. You know, the, the things yeah. you're able to uh, relate to them on and the, 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 the knowledge that you have of their lifestyle and what it's like and what challenges they face. I mean, very few people in the world have that, that uh, inside knowledge that you have. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife walked in. Oh, it's going on the other side. <laughs> um, anyways, but uh, so jump in, jump in to, into, uh, yes, I got, now I got to, I got to visit, visit their home in the weekends. And I did that for quite a while, uh, up to, um, up till the next, the final year where they continued this camp season. Mm -hmm. Um, and this time they got to do, uh, they were living there and they were, uh, my parents, my adoptive parents were, char were in charge of these camps now. And so uh, they put about two or three together for the year. Um, and then I got to go to at least two of them. And it was during that time of camp. I think it was the following year after my first initial camp that I actually got to make this decision of following Jesus. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't my dad or my mom that was talking or anything like that. I just went there as their son, as a family member and things like that. And I was part of the group of kids that were, were, uh, were being taught, you know, yeah. Bible stories and things like that. And so, and um, I probably told you this, this particular story before, because it was Steve Hurls, Steve and Alice that were missionaries, yeah. that are missionaries in the village. They were there, they were there that night sharing about the gospel mm. and telling us about Jesus and telling us about uh, what Jesus has done for us and telling us about just the hope and the, ever, the, uh, the relationship that we can have, the, 
the life eternal that God is giving us and things like that. And I remember one of the things that you would see even today um, is if we were to ask a group of kids in the orphanage, um, or actually if you were to tell them who wants, uh, or ask them, I guess, who wants this? So like a candy or something, you see all of those hands, they will be going up. Okay. So, you know, the idea of all these, you know, um, kids in the orphanage always receive something, you know, so they're like used to raising their hands. So Steve, at one point he asked, so after you hear, after you're hearing this gospel and this message, who here is um, wanting to accept Jesus in their hearts? And so many, so many hands, including mine, yeah. went up. Mm. But I believe that night there was only one or two of us that actually wanted this Jesus. Sure. You know, that we, we had no idea. I had, I mean, I, I'm just going to talk personal. I had no idea what I was doing by raising my hands. Right. You know, and so many times none of us know. <laughs> you know, none of us know what we're doing or what we're getting into when you actually raise your hands, mm -hmm. you know. And so, but then what was cool about it is Steve took this, took us that raised their hands um, into another room and actually explained to us step by step what have we just done, mm -hmm. you know. And he explained that and I, underst I understood that that I am surrendering my life to God and I am becoming a follower of Jesus and my job is to build on this relationship that I get to have with Jesus Christ and I get to read the Bible and I get to pray and I get to do all these things um, and back then we, we were called um, it's still today is you're converting in, from a religion to another, and uh -huh. so I become one of those. I became one of those conversion <laughs> titles, yeah. right. you know, right. which was really hard. It was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And this is this is great when you talk about culture, uh, culture, when culture studies, you know, um, to think of switching religion, you know. Yeah. How do you, how are you being still accepted or if are you not accepted anymore? You know, are you being killed or are you being sure. punished or, <laughs> you know, all these things. And I have been punished. I guess I could say physically people have been like hurting me because of what I've done. People have read, repped my Bible because of what I have done. People mm -hmm. were like cussing at me because yeah. of what I have done. And it was, it was a tough, and the, the, the hardest thing is I wasn't living with them yet. Right. You were still in the so orphanage. I was still in the orphanage. So yeah. I would go back to the orphanage and suffer through all of this, you mm -hmm. know. And it was just, it was really hard because the only book that I actually read or started reading, it was the Bible. Yeah. And then to have someone, there was no options for us to get any books. You know, nobody would ask us, would you like to read the book? You know, anything like that. So the only book I had was that Bible. And so it was read. So I was very disappointed mm -hmm. uh, that I, I didn't get to have that Bible. But it was that night that just the Lord just touched me and started working in, um, started working in, in my life. And, Filling those gaps that I still had, even though I had that connection with my adoptive parents, sure. I still had a bunch of gaps into my heart. I still had traumatized things, if you will, that I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so God was the perfect tool, I want to say, for my life, mm -hmm. you know, because he was the only one that was able to like fill those gaps and really clear. And uh, I, I have tears now. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Those are good. Those are good tears. Yeah. They're <laughs> not fake. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. They're not fake. It's just when I think, 
Yeah. The, when I think of it, it's just like it's he was the only one that was able to do the things that I was logging for, the yeah. things that I was really looking into my life, you know. And he has given me that purpose and he has given me and that night was was like the hope, the overwhelming hope that I just I, I wish that I've seen it physically so that I could just like, you know, be done with it, you know. <clears throat> but you had to have, I've learned you had to have that faith and that um and you had to make that step of faith into what God has for you for your life and what God has for you when you are to leave this earth, you know? And, um, and so that just, that, that was another, that was another, uh, life changing, um, for me. You, you went from, again, from an, an orphan <clears throat> system with no relationships really, because, you know, again, you're used to people visiting, dropping something off and leaving and never having a, a real <clears throat> meaningful, loving caring relationship with another person to within the time span of <clears throat> excuse me of a, a year year and a half you now have a family investing in your life giving you meaningful deep relational contact and interaction and now you have a god brought into your life with a deep meaningful lasting relationship so you went from no relationship to deep meaningful relationships within a short time span as a very young man that's i mean that's a real powerful uh, heavy and challenging thing to do. <clears throat> yeah. And also to think heavenly relationship, you know, it's mm. just uh, all at once, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you've got to work out how to he, be a part of these relationships that you didn't have before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he, Your audio is not again here. Can you hear me now? There it is. I don't know if you come over the thing or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. What about now? Yeah, you're good there. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, that, that night was a very special night. Um, it's where I found Jesus. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's one thing that, you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to change people's mind or that they're not perception or, but the way they look at it, it's not, it's not that God, uh, that you have found God you as a person is that you no, because God or God found you somehow because he's never lost you. Right. You know? God was always there. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's, it's me that I found the true, um, the true God, you know, the true meaning of life, the true light. And uh, so it's, it was just, it was amazing. Um, yeah. And so from there, uh, went back to the orphanage. And then it was also during that time that I started going to, I started going to church with, uh, uh, my dad would come, my adop adopted dad would come and would pick us up uh, in a big green van. You've seen it here a couple of <laughs> times, yeah. uh, Mike. And that was the van that would come and pick us up for church yeah. uh, on a Sunday morning. And a uh, bunch of the bunch of the kids would pile on pile on in the van. We would go to church, and it was during that time that uh, after one one service after the one morning service, my uh, they pulled me aside and then asked me if I would if I would be okay of them trying to adopt me. Um, and so, and that was another that was another uh, uh, day that was just uh, it was an impact. Sure. Uh, it made an impact to my life because it was because of that question, but it was also confusing because I didn't understand the question because I thought that in my mind 
in the way the, the way the connection the relationship with that that i was already part of the family uh-huh. you know and so that was what that's one of the things that i asked him but i, I am part of the family you know and so but also not I did not, right <laughs> but i did not but i did not give them an answer mm. which was also also but I wanted to do something special. I wanted to, I like details. Like right now we get into details. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wanted to write them a special note in how I feel, you know, um, and make this yes into like a detailed note, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, of course I wrote the note and this is what I've, what I've gone ever since through, ever since I met you, this is how I feel. And I feel like this is a big yes, you know, to that, to that question, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but things, you know, things went on, they started the process and everything. And, um, and like you mentioned before, the adoption back then wasn't as, uh, wasn't as common, especially for an older child. Right. You know, and I guess it, 14, 15 around this time. Yeah, 14, 15. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess even today, you know, people don't necessarily go up to a 14 or 15 year old, you sure. know, especially, especially in America. Here, period adoption is not so common anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with the, you know, with the orphans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it was just a, it was a huge process. We had a bunch of papers expires in the, expired in the meantime, there was a, back and, a lot of back and forth. Mm-hmm. There was no family issues because for sure I was adopted twice, abandoned twice, actually, mm. uh, six months. And then when I was older, mm. uh, once again, and so there was no family issues. It's just the process. Right. the paperwork and the requirements and just mm-hmm. the whole the whole idea of trying to adopt a child and dealing with the social system it was just it was uh, it was a mess mm-hmm. and so by this time i had turned 18 <laughs> um and the the process was not finished but uh i think it was about six seven months down the line when they first started this process that we actually got a legal paperwork saying that they're allowed to take me out of the orphanage uh-huh. into the custody. So they had custody of me, okay. uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't an official adoption process, but they had fully, uh, fully custody of me. So they were able to take me to America and that was a, and that's a big step. <laughs> and that's a big step, you yeah. know, they were able to take me to Austria and things like that. Um, just the kind of trips they were doing in Europe also. Um, and so, but by the time I, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm jumping mm-hmm. quickly to just to make the story short. The, by the time I turn, uh, I turn 18, I just, we just kind of looked at each other and said, I have been yours i think ever since we've met you know uh there's no there's no there's no purpose or reason to keep on doing this dilemma or this hassle with the paperwork so let's just leave it at it um i choose to be with you you know if if i need to make that in writing for the government to Cause at 18 you choose where you want to go you okay. know and so and then so i chose but then i didn't have to do that because i was there already i was in their custody already mm-hmm. and stuff and so but i officially became um not on paper but i officially became when i left the orphanage um i think i had just turned 14. Um, uh, so it was like basically a year after they moved that I was, I was in their house. Yeah. And so, and then it was during that time when I came, yeah, in, when I came, when I moved in with them, 
we moved in. They moved in into this house where we are now. Just house where you're a little, coming now. Yeah. <laughs> a little glimpse, you know. <laughs> it's the house and the ministry homes. We hope that you're enjoying part one of our interview with Kosti Keenan from Bucharest, Romania. Join us in our next episode as we conclude this interview and hear what the Lord has done as Kosti has become an adult and has even returned to Romania to continue his ministry and be encouraged and be blessed and be challenged in your walk and in your ministry. Go to mathatai.org to learn more about what Mathatai is doing and you can get links to Kosti's ministry to contact with Kosti and to support Kosti from our website there as well. So we'll see you next time here on the Mathatai podcast for the conclusion of our interview with Kosti Keenan.